Thank you for joining us today. This is C.L. Lopez. I am the PIO of The Professor and the PIO. My guest today is Catherine Garcia. Catherine Garcia is a former colleague of mine, and our paths crossed when I was a reporter and she was an intern at a daily newspaper many years ago. And today, Catherine is here to tell us about her career in journalism and some of her best practices and tips for those of you that are interested in going into the field of journalism or communications. Catherine, thank you so much for joining us today. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Catherine, will you tell us about your career in journalism from where you began in your humble beginnings as an intern to where you are now? Sure. Well, I actually got started when I was in high school. I wrote for the Redlands High School Hobachi newspaper, and I was the features editor my senior year. And I always knew I wanted to be a writer, and I knew that was the path I was going to take. And I won several awards as a student and then had the opportunity in high school as well to write for the Sun newspaper. So I got to kind of see, you know, what it was like in an actual daily newspaper, um, you know, the excitement of the newsroom, how you picked the stories that you wrote, um, things like that. So when I went on to college, I knew I wanted to be involved in the newspaper. So I did that at the University of Redlands. There was a newspaper at the time. And then I went to the Redlands Daily Facts as a intern. And what was nice about being an intern at a small newspaper like that is the fact that I was able to do a lot of things that, you know, if you're at a bigger place, you might really have to start off, you know, doing coffee and maybe putting together clips. But I was out there writing stories on day two, maybe. And that was really neat. I didn't have a lot of guidance, in all honesty. I was just kind of told, go out, ask questions, and write about it. And it was nice that, you know, the editor had faith in a girl who was a junior in college. So fast forward to about a week before I graduated, um, the editor gave me a call and asked me what I was doing. I had literally no plans. I thought I was going to spend the summer at the beach doing nothing. And instead, I started working at the newspaper as a reporter. And from there... I stayed for two years. I covered everything in the community. Um, I really honed my skills with interviewing people, you know, digging around, trying to see what's an interesting story, what people want to read about. That's exciting that you were able to have such a great start to your journalism career. Now tell us about what happened after the Redlands Daily Facts. I understand that you had some opportunities to study on the East Coast and then write for some publications that are fairly recognizable in our country. Yes, so I went to New York City and I studied at Columbia University's Graduate School of Journalism. I earned my bachelor. I earned my master's of science degree in May 2009, and um, yeah, it was an amazing opportunity to write and report in a major um, city and just kind of get to see a different life than you have here on the West Coast. You know, things are faster, people move quickly. Um, it's a very different place than Southern California. And um, not long after I graduated, I interned at Entertainment Weekly. And I got to write not only for the magazine, but also for the website, EW.com. And I did a whole bunch of different things, got to interview a lot of different um, celebrities. Um, I did recaps of different TV shows and just wrote about fun little pop culture tidbits. And yeah, that was just a lot of fun. And it was a very supportive environment. Again, it was nice to be able to be an intern and have a lot of responsibility and, you know, kind of get to get my name out there. And I understand you also did some work for the New York Times. Yes, that's true. Um, I have a friend who introduced me to the bureau chief out in Los Angeles, 
and um, I was given the opportunity to do some reporting for them as a stringer, and I covered the Carmageddon that happened when the freeway shut down in Los Angeles, and you know, they thought chaos might ensue, but it really didn't. Um, so that was kind of a fun little story to write about. I also got to go downtown to the Occupy Wall Street um, protests that they had, and I got to interview people for that, and that was also in there. And I still do stringing for them, actually, about nine months ago now, I went to Riverside to try to track down the family of one of the three men that were being kept in North Korea and they had just recently been released so they had sent me there to see if I could get an interview with the family or maybe talk to some neighbors out of the blue sometimes they'll give you a call and say hey can you do this and you either run and do it or you pass on it my advice is to always accept it um you know you just never know what you might stumble upon and what doors that'll lead to and who you might meet when you're on assignment that's great information, Catherine, and you have had an amazing career. And it's very interesting just to see how your career has paralleled the many changes in our journalism industry. And back in the day when you were an intern, it was a print publication and it also had an online presence. And now we've seen so many rapid changes in our industry and there is such an emphasis on the online component of journalism. And your current position is one that has a major online presence and that is your current position with The Week. Tell us about your experience working for an online publication. Yes, so I am the night editor at theweek.com, which is the online um, component of The Week magazine. And basically what's so nice about the internet is you can write these long pieces and, you know, you can just keep going and going and going. But at the same time, you know, you can do short pieces too. It's funny that you have the space online to have these long articles, but my job primarily is to write for our speed reads section, which what we do is we take the news of the day and we condense it so that busy people can, you know, if they don't have the time to read a, you know, 2000 word New York Times piece, I read it for them. I condense it. I give it to you in about two to 300 words. And then when you have time you can always click on the original link but other than that you know it just makes it easier for busy people to stay connected with what's going on in the world and you're totally right you know when I started at a newspaper newspapers were kind of slowly starting their I guess dive downwards I hate to say that but that's kind of what happened and um you know, it was a different time. The web was not really taken under consideration. You know, we didn't write anything special. It was basically they would take our stories from the newspaper. Somebody somewhere would throw them up on the website and that was it. And, you know, now there's just online only articles that go up and, you know, some newspapers are shuttering and going strictly online. So it's it's crazy to think that within 10 years, just how much of that has changed. But that also means there's a lot more opportunity for writers. Um, you know, for instance, I live in Southern California. Theweek.com is based in New York City. But um, thanks to the beauty of the internet, I don't have to worry about being in the office. I can use the time difference, you know, I'm on Pacific time, so I can still get a jump on the nightly news where a lot of people in New York City are going home. I'm just getting started. And honestly, I could do my job anywhere, which is great to it. I think it really opens up journalism to more people from all over the world, different languages, um, you know, of different socioeconomic backgrounds. A lot of journalism 
at least with, you know, the prestigious quote unquote publications, you've got to know people, you have to have the right last name, your dad had to be an editor. And I feel like the internet is really opening up so that you don't have to do that anymore. That's exciting information to share with anybody that's interested in getting into the industry of journalism. There are so many more opportunities now because of online. One of the things that you mentioned is you do compose stories that are much more brief. They're 200 or 300 words. And that's a reflection of the need to have quality writing that is brief but effective. You have such a short window for people's attention span now. For many of us in the industry, it really comes with making that first impression. And that's something that you see in the lead of an article. How do you approach the leads of your stories? You're absolutely right. If you can't hook them in in that first sentence, you're really probably not going to get them to read any farther. And it really does depend on the subject matter. Um, I do write about a lot of different things. So if it's something as, you know, tragic as a fire or an earthquake, you know, that's not the time to make jokes or try to be witty. You know, that's where you get the information out there and, you know, the most important tidbits get in there. But, you know, I can have fun as well with different stories. You know, even we can poke fun at politics. We can do all that kind of stuff. So I really think, okay, what's the one thing that I can pull from this quote that somebody said or this, you know, report that's just kind of a little zany or off the wall? Um, I look to see what other people kind of took as the main point and I'll find something else because you don't want to be the fifth or the sixth or the seventh or the 50th person that you know shares this little tidbit of information you want to be that one person that can pull something else out of it is there one specific type of lead that you feel really resonates with your audience more than others Yes, I think if we can kind of be a little funny in the lead, that always gets a lot of people, you know, they'll they'll be more engaged in the article. They'll be more likely to write a comment about it on Facebook or, um, you know, send a letter and say, I thought that was really funny. Um, so, you know, it's always nice when we can, you know, make our audience laugh. Again, you know, you can't always do that. If it's a serious topic, you know, that's very inappropriate. But, you know, sometimes you can. And it's not all serious. I think that's what we need to remember. Like journalism is, you know, we do cover serious topics and we need to take things seriously. But at the end of the day, everybody wants to laugh as well. It's so important to recognize the social media component of journalism. How does social media play into your role in journalism and how you approach your articles? Well, social media plays a huge role. Um, you know, we don't censor what people say in our comment section on Facebook. I mean, of course, they can't curse and do things like that. and They can't slander people. But other than that, they're allowed to say pretty much whatever they want. And so we have to keep in mind, you know, that there's going to be people that just do not agree with what we say. They are going to say that it's fake news despite having video evidence, you know, in our articles. So we do... Um, definitely also keep in mind what people will share. And you have to remember, you know, you have to really craft the right headline and then the right opening to say, okay, is this something where people are going to say, wow, you know, my family needs to know about this or my friends need to know about this. So I would say honestly that when it comes to social media, the headline is the most important part, even before getting into the lead. Social media has definitely impacted journalism. And again, it's something that's allowed major news outlets and even smaller news outlets to enhance their reach and connect with people on a much larger scale. What advice do you have for somebody that is interested in going into the field of journalism? Of course, education is so important, but beyond education, beyond the classroom, what can one do? 
One thing that I think people should remember is that just because literally anybody with an internet connection can start a blog or start their own website doesn't mean that they have the skills to be a good writer or reporter or interviewer. And I'm not trying to sound harsh when I say that, but I think that it doesn't do us any great favors if we have people that can't really construct sentences and don't really get the facts right and are going around calling themselves writers. So honestly, I would just say practice, 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 you know, write things, watch something on television, watch, turn on MSNBC or CNN or wherever you get your news and try to follow along with a story and just write something from home as practice. You don't have to publish it, but you can figure out, okay, what's the most important thing I need to write down? How do I accurately quote somebody? Um, you know, practice, is just what makes perfect and if you go out there and you interview the more people you interview you know the greater your skills will become you'll recognize questions to ask you'll know how to do follow-up questions it's um you know if you sit in your room and don't do anything and don't talk to anybody you're really not gonna you know write an interesting story you really do have to get out there and start you know working on your interviewing skills and then practice your writing that was wonderful information. Thank you to our guest, Catherine Garcia, for sharing your perspectives on journalism. And thank you again to all of our listeners. And remember, always keep on learning.